By God's grace, we're standing, we're growing, and uh, and the love is advancing. It's really encouraging. It's encouraging to see some some new faces, some familiar faces from the past, and uh, those that we've only known you a few months. So to see how you've come in your spiritual journey, what a joy that is. And I, I pray that this summer will not be like how high schoolers and middle schoolers might treat their summer break. We just veg, we check out. Maybe work a little bit, but we're not trying to do anything crazy. Maybe have some fun. Have some fun this summer, for sure. But uh, for us as adults, our schedule doesn't change too much in the summer. So what a great time to remind ourselves that this, these next three months can be our greatest time of spiritual growth yet. The, the future is ahead of us. What God has planned for us, he is still writing. If you're alive and breathing this morning, he is not done with you. Amen? Thank God for that. So let's step forward by faith. Let's see what he's doing in these next few months as he writes this script. And a big part of that, I believe, is going to come from our study of the word as we understand different names about God. Now, everyone comes into a church or doesn't come to a church on Sunday morning, but they have some kind of preconception about what or who God is, right? Like, even if they don't believe that there's a God, they at least have some kind of prejudice or some thought of, of who God was if he exists. Um, Tim Keller, who recently passed away, a well-known pastor and apologist, he, he said, when I, when I encounter skeptics or people that don't believe that God is real, he says, you know, tell me what you don't like about God. And odds are, I won't like the God that you are talking about either. <laughs> because when they say, I don't like this about God, oftentimes... Well, that's not in the Bible. Or you're misunderstanding what's going on here. If that really was who God is, I don't want anything to do with it either. So what's really important is that we open up the Bible and we let God speak and introduce himself. We look to see what God is doing because I don't determine who God is. God determines who God is. God has the right to speak and reveal himself. Just like when I went up to you and shook your hand and met you for the first time, you told me your name. And I accepted that. That is your name. That is, that is who you're telling me that you are. And I get to know more about your story. God starts with a name right at the beginning, right out the gate. And it's going to blow your mind, okay? This is, this is why the title of the sermon is God is God. God is God. Like, wait, I already, I already knew that name. Well, we're actually going to go to the first time that name is used in the Old Testament. Genesis 1-1. God. Or the Hebrew word is Elohim. It's a beautiful, powerful name. It tells us much about God, and we see in his working who he is and what he does. So turn with me to the very beginning, Genesis 1.1, and we're going to read the first five verses for now. That will give us a taste of the entire creation narrative, because our focus is not on creation itself, it's on the creator. So let's read those verses together, Genesis 1, 1 through 5. I'll read it out loud as soon as I get my place there. In the beginning... God, or Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, every time you see God there, it's Elohim. And Elohim said, let there be light. And there was light. And Elohim saw that the light was good. And Elohim separated the light from the darkness. Elohim called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. So as I said before, our title for our message today, God is God, and also you can infer from that, 
I am not. God is God. I am not. So God is God. Humans, meet God. Meet Elohim. Here's our introduction. What does Elohim mean? Well, if you shortened it, L, L means God. And this is the basic foundational name of God. You've got to know him. If you just come in charge and say, well, I know about Jesus or I know about, uh, you know, God provides. Well, all of those names assume that God exists. You can't move past Genesis 1 until you understand we have a creator. There is a creator God, and that's Elohim is a name that's wrapped up in the powerful creative strength of this God. He is not one of many creators, or he's not one of many gods that we could choose to worship. He's Elohim. He is the one, the only. Elohim is a plural word, and you will find sometimes in the Old Testament that it is used in the context casually of the false gods that other nations worship. But it's always contrasted against the one true living God. And he always tells the Israelites, I am the one who made you. I am the one who rescued you out of Egypt. I am the one who controls the gnats and the locusts and the rivers and the waters, the party of the Red Sea. Who has the power to do that? It is Elohim. It is the one who made it. And so the fact that right at the beginning of our, our, our Bible, it's not in the beginning, you know, what is God's plan for Josh? You know, Josh is at the center of this universe. Or put your name there. Right? That's kind of what we do with some verses when we want to cling to a promise of God and put our name in there. Well, can I just say, no one can put their name on this verse except Elohim. In the beginning, God created the heavens. So everything above the sky is the Shemayim. It's the Hebrew term. Everything above and everything below that's earthy. That's a whole lot. And I'm not going to go too deep into Darwinian evolutionary theory, but I do think it's worth the mention because we're told today, if you believe that God created everything, then you're unscientific. You see, faith and science, they're enemies. They don't go hand in hand. And if you believe that there's a, a divine creator, then you're just dumb, for lack of a term. Right? That's what they say. Like, you are just uneducated. You need to get yourself educated. Well, let me just tell you something that's happened even in these last two weeks. Have you heard of a guy named Richard Dawkins? Richard Dawkins, leading atheist. I mean, he's the ap apologist for new atheists. So adamant that God does not exist. If he does, he's a mean, capricious bully, is what he says. And uh, there's just no way he exists. Now, one of Dawkins' key principles that he has argued is he's convinced that evolution is how we all got here. So over millions and millions of years, basic life you know, forms and ooze evolved into who we are today. And he says, if you just look at the genes, you will see that all the kinds, animals, people, we all share common genetics, right? Because in order for evolution to be true, we have to come from the same family tree. Monkeys, birds, humans, you name it. We all kind of come from the same stuff, right? If this is true, if we all came from... So they did the research. They tested the genes from many different life forms, and they looked at the proteins, and what did they find? Scientifically, the genes do not share the same family tree. May 15th of this year. This is his core principle. We all came from the same family tree. We share the same genes. 
No, we don't. So now are you willing to admit that there's an intelligent designer who created different kinds and beings? There hasn't been one word from Richard Dawkins on that finding. I checked his Twitter. There's no, re there's no recanting. There's no, well, I at least need to be scientific about this and test out an intelligent design. No, not a word. So don't be fooled by that thinking that faith and science are enemies of each other. Science confirms what the Bible tells us. We just got to do some digging, don't we? Now, going back to Elohim. Elohim is a person. It's the first thing we see. Okay? Um, I believe it's the next slide, which I'll just advance real quick so you guys can see. Sorry. Just slip out there. So Elohim is a person. He speaks. He acts. He thinks. In Job 12, 13, we're told he has counsel and understanding. So he's not just this weird space force like Star Wars. Okay? No, he, he is a person. He's introducing himself. He has a name. And this is who he is. He is also eternal. If he created time and space and matter, he clearly exists outside of time and space and matter. So to us, we think in terms of past, present, and future. We're linear beings. God is already in the future. And he's right now. And he's in the past. That's why he says, I'm the one who was and is and is to come. So when we take our human journey and we're walking with God and we're getting to know God, he's there the whole time. He hasn't moved. What we are doing is we're the ones progressing in our knowledge of him. We are growing closer or farther away from him based on if you put your faith in Jesus. And he tells us so much more about himself, just a couple things. He reveals himself as El Elyon. That's a name that comes later in the Old Testament. God Most High. El Shaddai. He's the God of hosts. El Olam. He's the everlasting God. El Gibor. God Almighty. And we could go on and on. There's so many names, and we're not going to cover them all this summer. But he is an amazing, powerful being. Look at his majesty. Look at what he creates out of nothing. <laughs> it's just... We'll talk, we'll talk more about verse 2 in just a second. But in Revelation 4.11, we're told that God is worthy. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. So let's put to bed the myth that God was bored in eternity past, and because he was bored and lonely... He said, let me create some people. And, and I've even seen these memes on Facebook. It's like, where would God be if it wasn't for his angels? Or where would God be if it wasn't for people to love? Oh, my goodness. God would be just fine. We depend on him. He does not depend on us. Right? Or if he is, he's not God. He's just another being like us that has to depend on people or creation but no he is in the class by himself and here's the thing by his will he created us you know god has a purpose for your life you are not an accident which is another reason it's important to believe god's word over what unbelievers say because they want you to think you're here by random chance and folks nothing in your life is random you are here this morning as a series of of choices and decisions on your part yeah probably but also who had you born in this century and living in this year and living in this community? Some of you didn't even live in this community a few months ago. We've only been here a year and a half. 
And look what God is doing all the time around us because He is doing something. He wants us to see His glory. He wants us to know Him. He wants us to love Him. And He created us to reflect His glory. It's a beautiful thing to be a human being. He created us in His image. So the second thing we see is Elohim is powerful, right? The earth was without form and void. So when it says He created the heavens and the earth, what happened there between verses 1 and verse 2? It looks like he just spoke into being the, the elements, the materials. But there's nothing formed yet. The earth was without form and void. It's just darkness and blackness. It says darkness was over the face of the deep. But the Spirit of God is hovering over the face of the waters. So kind of like a parent hovering over our kids. You know, okay, don't, don't touch that. Don't, don't fall down the stairs. You know, we're, like there's chaos, but we're hovering. We're going to make sure it's good. So God has created the matter, and now he's ready to work. The master is ready to work. He says the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And there's a clue right there. Elohim. There's a plurality to that noun. And if God is creating, and the Spirit of God is there, and he's speaking, so his word is working, we're getting a picture of a God who is not like us. A, a two-dimensional, I'm just, there's one of me. God is complex. There seems to be multiple persons within the one being. And all he has to do is speak and things happen. He creates out of nothing. Can anyone here create something from nothing? No, but you are all very creative people. I know. In fact, when we were helping move on Thursday, the people we were helping move, they had like over 800 different molds, ceramic molds, they take those molds in the kiln, and they can make all kinds of things. It's really incredible what they can do. Uh, uh, Jerry was telling me, I mean, there was, there was animals, and there was, what, totem poles, and there was... Nativity um, scene. Nativity scene, that's right. There's like a 14-piece nativity scene. So they have all these molds, and they can, they can make them all out of the mold. That's incredible. We are creative people. God made us that way. But we can't make something from nothing. That's something only God can do. The rest of us, all we can do is rearrange matter. We can cook food. We can prepare a meal from ingredients that we have gathered. Right? We can, we can sing praise and music from the instruments that we have purchased or the music that we have downloaded. None of this, I, I can't create it on my own, but God spoke out of nothing. He created matter. The gases, the particles, the waters. And then he shapes and he molds it. And you saw, we just read the first day. So what did he make in the first day? Let there be light. There was light. So not like those UFC fighters on TV. But they're just standing there and they're bragging like, I'm going to clock this guy. I'm going to win this fight. But you don't really know until the fight happens. You know, who's going to win? And then there's a rematch. And now who's going to win the rematch? And we could do this all day long, right? We're, we're all talk until you get to the fight. God's power is in his talk. He doesn't have to flex. He doesn't have to snap his fingers. He speaks. And it is. The magnificence and the power of this God, Elohim, is like something we've never seen before. And that's why we've got to know who he is. When we say God created something or God doesn't like something, we need to tremble in fear and admiration of this huge, holy, amazing God. He's not like just my buddy that I grew up with in high school. I'm sorry. 
This guy is different. He created time, right? It says once he was done creating that, verse 5, that was day one. Day one. And then you'll see through the rest of Genesis 1, you can check me on this. Then he created the next thing, day two. And day three. So in six days, he created all he wanted to create. And on the sixth day, here's what he did. His defining work, man and woman. Genesis 1, 26 to 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image. After our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. You want to know your purpose in life? There it is right there. We are image bearers of an invisible God. He made us in his image. So I'm not God, but I can think. And I have a soul. And I have desires. And I have a will. And I can act. And I can make decisions. And I can love. I can also hate. So things that God created me with that the fish do not have. This makes me different from the chimpanzees and from the slugs and the bugs. All those things that are so cool. But we're different because we're created in the image of God. What does it mean to be human? To be created in the image of God. And then our maleness and our femaleness is an extension of that. You can be male or female, created in the image of God, but you can't be something else. God created two genders, male and female, because there is one God, and he's a God of order. And we don't create our own purpose. I don't decide what I'm going to do with my life. Like, thanks, God, you created me, you wound the clock, now leave me alone, and I'm going to do my thing. I know our image, his image is stamped on us. So whatever we do reflects on God either for good and his glory or not for his glory. That's called sin. He is ultimate. And here's the cool thing about our purpose. At man's best, when he was perfectly made, God said, let's make man in our image. Here's the job. Let them have dominion over every creeping thing, over every animal, over every part of the earth. So man and woman were supposed to multiply have children that would also reflect the goodness and the glory of God, worship God, and cultivate that beautiful garden and cultivate the earth and make it beautiful and be creative people and sing and dance and cook and enjoy life and love one another and take care of the animals and all these things. God gets the glory because he's the creator. It was his idea from the beginning. And, and the idea was that we would reproduce and that we would fill this earth with worshipers. And no one of us is alike. Look around just this room. Like, well, yeah, I'm a man. There's several men in this room. There's women. There's several women in this room. We are nothing alike. And yet we all bear his image. It's amazing. So, so as we think about what makes it different to believe in Elohim and to not believe in Elohim, well, first of all, I got good news for you this morning. Elohim has the power to take a tangled up mess and to make something beautiful with it. He's doing it all the time. He's done it from the beginning of time. He's very good at it. So if you come in here, you're like, man, I got a mess of a life. 
great, because I got a good God for you. He's got order and creativity and beauty. Do you know someone that you feel maybe, I don't know, they're probably beyond God's help. They're a little bit too far gone. I don't know that God's grace can reach them. Let's just remember, nothing is impossible for God. All he has to do is speak. So, that person that's too far gone, are they ever too far past the point of you just loving them and speaking some truth from God's word into their life? It's God's word that brings life. Now, they are probably too far past your ability to take care of them because we're not very good at that. God does a great job taking care of his creation. But you have the word of God right here in front of you. And as long as God is speaking in your life, there is hope. And that word that can bring power and life to others, to your marriage. Man and woman, I know marriages are on the rocks these days. Marriages are struggling these days. They're on life support. If we bring God's word into our marriage, if we walk in the spirit of God in our marriage, there is hope. It's another thing you need to see about Elohim. When he speaks, he speaks life. Look back at Genesis 1. Then Elohim said, then Elohim said, then Elohim said, oh man, in his word, there is power. But there's also something more going on here. If you know where it is, turn to Colossians in the New Testament. Hold your place here and turn to Colossians. Now we're going to the New Testament. Once the Savior has appeared, the Son of God in human flesh, and he has died on the cross and risen from the dead and gone back to his glorious throne. Look with me at Colossians 1, 16 and 17. Speaking about creation. Actually, let's go back to verse 15. He, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. That's a title of power and providence. Firstborn. He's over all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. <clears throat> Excuse me. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. There's another title. He's over death in the grave, that in everything he might be preeminent. Who is Paul talking about? Jesus. Did he just say what I think he said? He just said, all things were created through him and for him. He's saying Jesus is Elohim. Jesus is creator God. So in the beginning, when God spoke, who is the one speaking? <coughs> the New Testament is making it clear. This was the Son of God. Because he's lived in eternity past, just as God the Father and God the Spirit, the three in one. So God is creating, but he's creating by his word, the Son, and by the Spirit, the three in one. So when the disciples see Jesus say, peace be still, and the storm immediately calms the waves on the Sea of Galilee, and they ask the question, who is this? That even the winds and the waves obey him. He's Elohim. Who else would the winds and waves obey? They don't obey you or I. They, they don't obey the false gods, but they obey the voice of their maker, the author of life himself. 
Jesus is the very same God in human flesh. Does that blow your mind that the God of all creation stepped into creation and he took on created matter, a human soul and human flesh to live a normal human experience, but to live faithfully to God's word, to redeem us, to save us, and to bring us back into right fellowship with God. When I hear that, when I hear how powerful his word is, I have to confess to God, I don't have a high enough view of God and his word. I just don't. There's too much faithlessness on my part. There's not enough reverence on my part. There's too much self-centeredness on my part. This is my life and my schedule and my business and my friends and my family. And everything is his. He made all of it. Jesus made all of it. So is he on the throne of your heart just a few minutes or an hour or two out of your week? Or does Jesus have oversight of every part of your life? Are you fully yielded to him? Are you trusting in him to hold your life together? Or are you like me and you're stressing out about every, every two hours when things do not go according to your script? Well, there's a reason for that. I'm not the one who writes the script. I'm not the one who holds all things together. They hold together in him. So I find peace in my soul when I trust him. I trust his plan. Even when it's not at all what I had imagined, he holds us together, family. Now, maybe you're asking the question, if God is so good at creating and organizing and administrating, and he created us in his image, then why is the world an absolute mess right now? Why is there so much death and chaos? That's because God is God, but the first man and woman didn't take the logical inference far enough. If God is God, I am not. I am not the center of the universe. The story does not revolve around me. But we have pride. And pride surfaces in Genesis 3. When man and woman got this wrong and we've been messing it up ever since. Now look at Genesis 3 verse 1. The serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. There's a satanic influence going on here. Colossians 1 talked about things that are seen and unseen that God made. So the things that God made that are unseen, angels. There's a fallen angel who rebelled against God, took a whole host of angels with him. Don't have time to go into all that right now, but he is God's enemy forever. And he's working inside of the serpent, kind of using the serpent as his mouthpiece. And he says to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Did God really say that? Right? He's trying to create that doubt in her mind. Well, maybe he did this. Or maybe he wasn't really serious. Maybe he was kind of joking. And so the woman plays it off a little bit. She's like, well, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. Uh, you know, God said you shouldn't eat of this tree lest you die. You know, like, maybe it's a question. Maybe there aren't really consequences for breaking God's word, disobeying his commandments. And the serpent plays off of that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You will not surely die. Definitely not. Definitely not. Because God knows when you eat this fruit, oh, you'll be like him. And you'll know the difference between good and evil. She listens to him. Not the word of God, but her own reason, her own mind, this conversation with this serpent, which she didn't think was weird, apparently. I don't know what to make of that. Uh, creation was a lot different back then than it is now. 
when she saw that the tree was good, she desired it, right? Because God made us with a will. He made us with desires. And instead of desiring God's word and his life, she desires what she wants. And she took of the fruit and she ate it. And she gave it to her husband and he ate. And their eyes were open. They knew that they were naked. What's the big deal about that? Then they sewed fig leaves together and made for themselves clothes because they were ashamed. They sinned. They introduced sin and brokenness into this world. And now it's no longer perfection. We're glorifying God. We're loving each other. Now I'm kind of embarrassed. You know, I've got something to be scared about. I'm hiding when God's walking in the garden. And it all started with questioning the Word of God. Mm. My son Titus loves to play with Legos for fun. He built some pretty incredible things. Star Wars and spaceships and and, and shuttles and, and uh, a modular train. He makes some incredible things. Incredible things. How crazy would it be if he made a little Lego creation and that little Lego character comes to life and starts to say, who are you? And who are you to tell me what to do? I'm going I'm to go to school. Because I, I want to do that. No, you're not. You're my creation. I'm gonna, you're going to stay here in my room. And I'm going to play with you. You're my toy. We're not toys of God. But in a similar way, he created us. And who are we to say, why should I follow your instructions? We literally have life and breath because he gave it to us. He has all the wisdom and understanding. So when we question God's word, did God really say that? Did God really create just two genders? Did God really say, you know, the, the love of money is the root of all evil? I don't know. I kind of think I can have both. I can love God with my whole heart and I can love money. Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You are double-minded. The word is life. The word is power. And when we step off of the word... The consequences are devastating because we had a foundation on the word. You have no foundation off the word. That's why Jesus said the man who built his house on the sand had no foundation. When the rain comes and the wind blows, crack, a house falls flat. But the devastation for humanity is far worse. If you'll go to the next slide, Alexis, we'll see just some of the consequences of our pride. When we rejected God in his way, look right here. That is a picture of, of the American cemetery at Normandy. So World War II stormed the beaches at Normandy and thousands upon thousands upon thousands of soldiers gave their life. Why? Because people are at war with one another. And I picked that picture because just look how beautiful that is. It kind of cut off the water, but the water's right there. I mean, even after all the fallenness, this world is still a beautiful place, right? To see a sunset off Siesta Key, there's nothing better. That's why we live here. No, I'm just kidding. We're here to play at the church. But the sunset off Siesta Key, that's not bad either. Look how beautiful that is, but look at all the death. This is the human experience now. Because of our pride, we have death. Worse, we have spiritual death, separation from God. Forever, if left in that state. We have loveless hearts, pollution. Right? I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, the world's going to end in 50 years because of global warming. Okay, all right. They've been saying that for 50 years. We're still around. But are we wrecking this world? Even if accidentally? Even if it's just trash on the side of the road? What's the big deal? 
There wouldn't be trash on the side of the world in the perfect world. What about extinction for beautiful animals? What about poverty? Humans living in poverty, not having enough to eat. God created us providing food right there in the garden. There's suffering as well. But Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Friends, God is God and I am not. You know why that's good news this morning? Because even on my worst day, my worst sin cannot erase me from the mind of God. His love is more powerful than my sin. His grace is more powerful than my sin. My sin doesn't have the final word. I've seen some of the most hardened, um, angry atheists turn into Jesus-loving people. (laughs) You can never be too far gone. Men on death row, women on death row, have given their lives to Jesus and found new life and peace. Jesus came so that we could know God's unconditional love. Because if I was creator, and if you were too, what would you do if your creation turned on you? We would probably wipe them out and start over, if we're being honest. It's what you do with your laptops. When they get corrupted by a virus, throw it out, get a new one. That's what I would do. This whole world is corrupted and the virus is sin. And Jesus said, you know what, I can work with this. I can show love through this. I can work all things, all things together for good to those who love God. This is crazy. It's something only God can do. And he's remaking us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says if anyone is in Christ, what is he? It's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. God does that. He can not only create and set things in motion, but even as we're still sinning and hating God and killing people and murdering babies, God's love is still actively moving. His grace is still pursuing. His kingdom is still coming. God's will be done. And we're in the month of June. Pride month. Man, we're proud people. Right? But that's the problem. We don't need more proud people. We don't need more pride in our lives. That's why we broke in this world. We need humility. Can we have a humility month, church? Is that? I think that's what we need. A humility year. A humility of heart. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in heart, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You want to be right with God? You want to know Elohim? Then bow the knee. Bow the knee before your maker. Confess your sin and receive the gift of his son that he has sent. And listen to this. This is the promise. Acts 4.12. There is salvation in no one else. For there's no other name among under heaven among men by which we must be saved. Why do we care about the names of God? Because there's salvation in his name. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus as your savior. You don't know God personally. It's just, you know, it's, it's a book. You're trying to learn more. You're trying to learn about God. Understand this. God made you for a purpose to know him and to love him and to enter into right relationship with him is to confess your sin and turn to him. You can have that relationship today and I invite you into that in Jesus' name. If you do know Jesus and you came in here this morning struggling, what is my purpose? Or 
what am I to do with my life? Or how do I love that person that's so unlovely? Or, or what do we do in our marriage when we're, we're just really struggling right now? Go back to the beginning. God makes no mistakes. He created you. If you're married, He created your spouse. If you have kids, He created your kids. Every single one of us unique and for a purpose. But that starts with knowing Him. Pursue His kingdom first, and all of these things will come to pass. And this week, I want you all to pass on this one thing you've learned about God this morning. Or maybe it's just a refresher for you. God made you for a purpose. Do you think there's some people in our community that need to hear that encouragement today? Mm-hmm. They feel like my life has no purpose. I'm dead in the water. It'd be better if I was dead than alive. No, it's not. You know why? Because I love you. He made you. Let's pray.